Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Did you catch season three of This is Digital? Season three of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including digital lessons from the EV revolution and the chief digital officer's role in disruption and culture, featuring guests like Ekta Chopra of Elf Beauty and Tyson Jomini of J.D. Power. Do you have a digital mindset? Find out by checking out the latest and greatest on season three of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back here with you. We have got a fun show today. We're going to have a chance to visit with one of the top coaches in college football and Kalani Sataki from BYU, who's got a tremendous uh, football background, both as a player there at BYU, as a phenomenal coach and coordinator there at Utah, and has since taken over the BYU program and has them rolling. Uh, so we're going to get a chance to visit with him, which I'm very much looking forward to, uh, and get a chance to talk with Bucky here about uh, uh, the top of the draft and what we could see happening there, because it could be a uh, a little movement there. It could be a lot of fun, a little shakeup there at the top of the draft as we look at it a few months out. Um, so that's where we're headed today. It's going to be a fun show. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. I am good. Uh, excited about the weekend, the championship games in college. Um, DJ, in the past, like that would carry so much weight for me as an evaluator because um, I've always been taught or I believe in looking for matchups. And so I want to see how the people play against the best. And I, I'm not going to lie. I would always give a little extra currency to playoff games, division championship games, rivalries, because the intensity of those games are as close as you can get to the NFL. And so, as most people do, 
we work backwards. So we work from your most recent games all the way up. And I, and I think these uh, impressions that are made in these championship games will, will really matter when it comes to the final grades for some of these prospects. Yeah, I'm looking forward to them as well. I've been uh, really working through all these players, uh, starting to really study on these guys, getting ready for the draft. And, uh, man, I know Waddle got hurt, but, dang, that dude's fast. I mean, just explosive from Alabama. And then Devontae Smith. Um, it's been fun to kind of look at some going through some of these wide receivers. Um, but on the receiver front, Buck, um, man, I, I'm just – I don't know if we're ever going to have a lull. You know, we talk about, you know, drafts kind of go in the in kind of ebbs mm. and flows at certain positions. But because teams are throwing it so much at the college level because of the development process with seven on seven in high schools, chucking it. It's another great year of receivers this year, man. It is another great year of receivers. Like there are always pass catchers out there that are available. And DJ, like it's, it's so funny. Part of it is supply and demand, um, you know, like from a philosophical standpoint, um, you can find these wide receivers, particularly in the second, third round, just because there's so many really good players. Yeah. And I just, man, I, I'm just fascinated to watch these guys develop, to watch them emerge, to watch these route runners, because for so long we heard guys um, saying, oh, the spread system, they don't teach these guys how to run routes. They're just kind of running the areas. They're not able to play. But the more that we look at these young players coming to the league and have immediate impacts on their teams, I, I think we have to give the young generation the next generation credit for working on their game on and off the field like during the season and really in the off season when they do their things with, with their trainers or uh working out on their own all right so i want to i'm going to ask you a question here if we look at these teams that are picking right now if the season ended picking three four and five okay little draft primer here cincinnati three chargers four dallas five we assume, obviously, with uh, with Dallas, that Dax that they'll figure th- things out with mm-hmm. Dax. So all three of those teams have quarterbacks. So, Cincinnati. If we go Jets, Jacksonville, we assume quarterback, quarterback, which would mean Cincinnati mm-hmm. would have the the pick of whoever else in the field that they need. Now, all, Cincinnati needs offensive line help. The Chargers need offensive line help. Dallas needs offensive line help. So let's say Cincinnati takes the best guy, and we you know believe that'd be Penay Sewell, right? Mm-hmm. I, I really like Rashawn Slater as well. But then you get down to the next pick there with the Chargers. And let's say that they're maybe not quite as high on Rashawn Slater as I am. So let's just, to make it simple, mm-hmm. let's say they feel like there's B, B-level B offensive linemen there. Mm-hmm. But you've got A-level receiving talent that's there. So you've got however you like them with Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith and Waddle, what, however you order those three guys, right? So if you're the Chargers and the Cowboys – would you take a B-level offensive lineman to help a uh, you know, major, major position of need? Or do you say we've got quarterbacks in, in the way the game is going, let's just get them premier, premier weapon there with that pick? What would you do? So and I'm not, I know you haven't, we haven't done a deal. No, 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 I'm no, not going to hold no, you no, to this. I'm just saying no, positions. No, no, no. So I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about Dallas because Dallas yep. would be next up. So here's the thing about Dallas in premier position. You have Amari Cooper on the contract. You just took C.D. Lamb. Uh, Michael Gallup will come up in a year or so. And then you have two tight ends in Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz. I think if you think about premier talent, playmaker, whatever, this would drive Dallas Cowboys fans crazy. But if we're playing a video <laughs> game, like a playmaker like a Kyle Pitts, and I'm not saying Kyle Pitts is a top five talent, but if you think He's about, really good. Yeah. If you think about lining it up, like putting Kyle Pitts there. So now you're saying, and we've always said this, build up one side of your football team and then you can work on the other side. You know, yeah. build it up. So I know that we can get to eight and eight because of the strength of our offense. And we saw what Dak looked like 
with this offense without the offensive line. They were two and three or whatever they were when he went out. So you build that up. So I, I would consider that. The thing about like the B-level linemen, um, I like Rashawn Slater. Um, I don't know if he's – he's kind of like that A-B because he's he's close. Penesua to me is, is clear. But then you have other guys like – I look at Christian Derrishaw. Yeah, he's a good player. Tech. He's yep. a good player, but he falls into that B category. So yeah. how far back are we going? Are we going to the teens where we still feel like we can get him? Because looking at last year, you saw – but uh, Makai Becton, Tristan Wurst was 13. Becton was 11. I mean, you, you get too far, Jedrick Wheels, you get too far out of the mix. You may not be able to get one of those offensive tackles that you like. So here, here, here's like the perfect scenario to me. So we've got, if we say Jets, Jags, 1-2, right? If you are, and Cincinnati probably has to go premier offensive lineman. So I think those first three picks, mm-hmm. you wouldn't see trades because I think Cincinnati has to stick and pick. They the have to lineman. take. They have to The take. quarterback got killed last year. Um, so to me, the draft would then start at four five. So Chargers, Cowboys, and I believe they're going to have to flip a coin, but because their strength of schedule is identical as well as their record, so they'll flip a coin to see who goes first there. Um, so Chargers, uh, Cowboys, there at four five. To me, if you look at it, the first two quarterbacks are gone, but we think there's three, four potential quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You have Carolina potential quarterback team at six, and you have Atlanta potential quarterback team at seven so that's mm. that's like a perfect dream world if you're the charge of the cowboys because if we're saying man, i can get i can get yeah. slater i can still take the offense line but maybe i get a little extra just to slide back a few spots um then you can do that so to me then it becomes all right carolina atlanta you guys are in the same division you guys both need quarterbacks and if you're if you're the charge of the cowboys you're trying to pit them against each other say hey come on up it's a few spots come up and get the guy you want well, out of that scenario, one thing that stands out to me, uh, we can pretty much guarantee that four quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10. Yes. I think it's pretty much a guarantee that four quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10 in whatever order that is. But the four guys that we will hear their name call by the time we get to the 10th pick will be Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, in whatever order. Yep. And so, um, yeah, if you're Atlanta and Carolina, and I think both teams probably need to pull the trigger on the quarterback this year before – it gets too late because Teddy Bridgewater still has two years left on his deal. Matt Ryan has time on his deal. You have to keep him at least another year just based on the number. Get the quarterback now so you're not under pressure to have to go next year when you're hungry. Hey, go, go to the grocery store when, you, when you've eaten so you can make yeah, good decisions. I love that. I love that don't, don't, don't go hungry because then you, you fill up your card and you spend $250 and you don't have anything that's of substance. So um, I think that's – I think it's, it's really important. And because that is the mindset – I think if you are the Chargers and the Cowboys, what you have to do is you really have to take inventory of what's going on in the room, meaning what is going on around us, what's the conversations that we're hearing coming out of Carolina and Atlanta, how far back can we go, and how desperate are those teams to get a quarterback? So, and we're going to have, this is this is just like the kickoff of when we like to scrimmage these things back and forth. I love these conversations. Well, you talked about Darisaw from uh, from Virginia Tech. I mm-hmm. also like uh, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. I think there's some good, like, middle first round type mm-hmm. value offensive linemen. So, another scenario that you could be placed, facing, which would be, I think, it's good options. So, if you're the Chargers and the Cowboys, we're saying, okay, maybe Carolina, Atlanta, you know, you get them to move up. I don't know. You'll get a ton for that, but you'll get, you're going to get something to slide back from four or five down to mm-hmm. six or seven. Or you could get on the horn with Detroit at 11 or maybe even Chicago at 15. Desperation. And say, 
you guys got to pay a premium to come all the way up here from that. And I think because the depth this offensive line class, you're going to get an upgrade there at 11 or 15 with what you're playing with if you're the Cowboys or the Chargers. And then you might get a haul of picks. Okay, so now here's the team that I believe of the two teams has the most leverage, uh, the Chargers and the Cowboys. I would say the Cowboys because here's what the Cowboys could do and here's what they should start doing from now. They should start hemming and hawing on the Dak Prescott conversation to create the illusion that they were seriously would entertain taking a quarterback at four or five. So that means Stephen Jones can't get on air and talk about, hey, we love our guy, we want to bring him back. It's, you know, it's a negotiation. I don't know this and that because you want to create a legitimate feel that, you know what, man, the Cowboys, they may legitimately take a quarterback. So we need to offer them something that knocks their socks off. And everything has to be about creating that. And the Chargers can't do that because everyone is like, yeah, you just took Justin Herbert. It's yeah, like but that. it depends. It depends who's who wins the coin toss, right? So yeah. if the Chargers end up picking ahead of the Cowboys, the yeah. Chargers would be sitting there like, hey, yeah, Dallas, go ahead and pretend like Dak's not your guy because now my pick, the price of my pick just went way up because mm-hmm. you've got to get in front of Dallas or you're going to miss out on the third quarterback. Man, it, it, so it's going to be fun. Anytime you have this many quarterbacks, it makes the draft fun because that's what moves the moves the needle is because that's what trades happen. Teams go up for quarterbacks. Yeah, and you and you have so many teams that need to address the quarterback situation. If we just look at it just off the top of the head, think about the teams that we've said for the last two or three years that need to do something at quarterback. It's always the guys with the older quarterbacks. So looking right now, Indianapolis needs to figure out what they're going to do going forward because Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers are both free agents. The Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, is 38 years old. That, that, and he's, fading fast. Yeah. he's fading fast down the stretch. And the New England Patriots, regardless of whatever, like Cam Newton, what like they, they have to do something at quarterback. Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, or whatever, like they have to eventually take a swing. They're in no man's land, by the way. New England, New right. England right now is picking 16. So Chicago and New England are 15, 16. You yeah. could make a case that, like, man, it. It's probably time for a bo- could be time for a bold yeah. move. Both those yeah. teams, yeah. Chicago. So, DJ, we're talking f- four other teams that aren't even in that conversation immediately that you talked about with Carolina and Atlanta. So, what is is six to get two? Uh, and yeah. let's just say those two quarterbacks are the two remaining outside of the top two: Trevor Lawrence and whoever. Yeah. I mean, now you have you have what you want: leverage. You have the opportunity to say. Okay, let's see what you got. We got six teams that I know need quarterbacks. Dang, man. The more I'm looking at this, I, I'm telling you, Buck, like the, the two teams and we work with them, but the Chargers and the Cowboys, that could end up it could end up pretty nice for them because they if if you know you assume that that's gonna be if their they, guy. If they man, if, you if got they, a good ship. If they play it right, it absolutely can work out in their favor. Now the thing is, in these scenarios when it comes to trading, you have to be able to assess how far back am I willing to drop in the first round how, and still get a blue chip player, still get a player that's going to come in and do it. And we won't fully know that until we assess the full landscape, because I do think this draft, unlike some, draft, I think it's kind of more offensive heavy. I think I probably feel better right now, just loosely observing that I feel better about the offensive lineman in this draft, the wide receivers in the drafts and the quarterback uh, cornerbacks are pretty good. But it's I don't okay. feel as, it's, it's good, I don't feel not. I mean, yeah, I don't feel I, I really like Caleb Farley. I should say that. Yeah. But I, I don't think after him, I don't think there's like big time, big time dudes. And edge rusher wise, it's, it's it's I mean, I've uh, got a lot more guys to watch, but I'm I've not been blown yeah, away. So, by what so, I've seen. so because of that, you're Dallas, you're, you're thinking, um, hmm, it's going to test 
their willingness to say, okay, the better player is that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going to scream at us that we need to upgrade our defense. But the offensive line, the need matches the talent that could be available if we move back into the middle of the first round. But we all, we always say, too, remember – that free agency and the draft are married. So yeah. if we're saying the draft skews more offense, man, good good year to be a defensive free agent. I don't know who those marquee defensive free agents are. Like, I well, it was Bud Dupree was one of them until he got hurt. You know, that was Ooh, a big one. Yeah. So looking at those guys, the corners always tend to get overpaid um, yeah. in free agency. So it, I mean, it, it's interesting because we're gonna see the money fly off the board in free agency. We're like, what the. Yeah, but part of it is you got to secure you got to secure the need. I think Matt Judon's up too, right? From yeah, the Ravens, he, franchise yeah, him. He was franchise. Yeah. You know, and it made me when the Ravens made the move for Yannick Ngakwe, it made me believe that they may be okay with Matt Judon walking out the door. Yeah, because Yannick's Yannick, Yannick's up too, right? Yeah, he is up. But I mean, you gave up a pick to bring him in. I think when you do that, you kind of have a little motivation. I mean, maybe it was just a the one year run to try and make it, but it seems like they had him targeted and he was in their plan. And I know they also tried to make their move early in the off season to get him directly from Jacksonville. So they got him from Jacksonville by way of the Minnesota Vikings. So I wonder. All right. Yeah. It's fascinating to, uh, to see what could happen there at the top of the draft. And uh, look, we'll put it, we'll put a pin in this one. Uh, we'll revisit this one down the road, but something to keep an eye on as we kind of just scrimmage that one out. Uh, but right now let's, uh, let's bring in our special guest. Excited to have BYU head coach Kalani Sataki join the show. All right, Buck, let's bring him in here. Coach Sataki joining us and, uh, and coach first thing I want to congratulate you on a wonderful season that you guys have had. But I also want to congratulate you as two former scouts uh, that have been in just about every facility in the country. Uh, the BYU sandwich, uh, while, you're, while you finish tape and you're getting ready from practice in that little the sandwich shop downstairs, is the best in the country. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, one thing I do know is that when we, whenever my wife and my family want to go on vacation, the first thing I do is look at the eating spots. <laughs> you know, the, the vacation, when we talk about going to different places on vacation, and people ask me, hey, how was it? I'm like, it was all right. The food was awesome, though. <laughs> so you're always going to get that type of reaction from me. And, and I feel like, uh, you know, the scouts are always traveling and anything we can do to help accommodate them. And I, and I know that other, other schools do it, too. But I, I think they, they have one of the toughest jobs out there. And, and uh, whatever we can do to help, help them uh, make their life a little bit more at ease when they're doing their job. So looking forward to having more scouts when things get back to normal. <laughs> hey, Coach, as DJ and I talked about, we've always come through BYU. is always a must-see, must-stop destination. And the thing that I'm most impressed with when I look at your team, you guys are so physical um, and fundamentally sound. Where has that come from? Because it seems like there's been an uptick in physicality and toughness since you've taken over the program. Well, I, I believe that you have to recruit big, strong guys first. You know, And, and when we, we look at recruiting, I mean – for me, it's recruiting. When I played here, we always had monsters up front, and we had length and size. So I, I feel like if you recruit frame and you recruit some toughness and some some strength, um, it's hard to take a guy that you think is, is a great athlete but has no strength. And to me, that's work ethic. And so we're going to live in the weight room. We're going to get these guys stronger, and then we're going to try to have that showing and make sure that it, it, it is a reflection on the field. And so – uh, but I, I honestly think that the things here, we kind of relish in the, in the idea that things are tough here at BYU. You know, it's hard to live the lifestyle here, the honor code. 
that's difficult. That's a sacrifice that a lot of college kids aren't aren't wanting to do during their college years. And the uh, academics is really tough. And so football is going to be tough as well. And I think that carries over into their approach to the game. And, you know, whenever uh, whenever we play the game, it, it, I don't know if we're going to win or lose, but I don't know what the result will be. But I hope that people can feel us by the end of the game and that we, we make an impact on them when they say, man, those guys were, were some tough guys to play against. And, and uh, you know, we were still working on all of it. So there's a lot of room to, to grow. And, and But I think you have to develop them that way and you have to recruit them that way. Coach, I, I had so many other things I wanted to ask you about, but I'm putting the timeline together in my head. And I grew up in San Diego. I used to throw uh, with some some receivers down there and going off with, as they were going off to school. And one of them was Ko. Were you were you there? Were you there with Ko at BYU? So I I, I wasn't here. So here's how it worked. I played in 994, mm-hmm. and then I, I I think I take the credit for recruiting a lot of the guys like uh, Steve Sarkeesian. So I was here to help host those guys, you know, when I played as a true freshman. And then I went on my mission after that, and those guys played that I came home and was able to see them in the bowl game. But I know Kale, Kale Louis really well, and I know Steve Sarkeesian really well. I mean, Sark and I are really close friends, you know, even to this day. So um, those guys, when you're in the BYU uh, alum, you know, if you're a BYU alum, you're, you have this brotherhood, this connection. It doesn't matter when you played, you, you, when you played under Lavelle, uh, and, and you played under all the other coaches, you kind of have this understanding of each other and the brotherhood that happens here and the, the long tradition. So we really take care of each other and we know what, what, what it takes to, to be a football player here. So that's that automatically is connection. But those guys individually, I do know them. He's a you know, too. <laughs> he's good on the ukulele, coach. He can play the ukulele now. Yeah, we, we all got our soft side too, you know. <laughs> Hey, Coach, the pandemic presented uh, football programs with unique challenges in terms of preparing and getting ready for the season. Um, I thought it was interesting, your first game against Navy. There's a stark contrast in the way that you guys approached it and the way that Navy approached it. You guys on the field were very physical and very ready to play. How did you approach um, the changing circumstances and getting your team ready to play? I think we were kind of figuring things out, too, you know, during that whole um, transition and when things were changing and, and we didn't know if we had a, a schedule, but once we knew we had Navy on there, we had to kind of hone in on, on prepping for that type of offense. And um, I, I got to be honest with you, we got the players back in June. I think June 1st, we were allowed to have them back here and we started our testing and did our, our, our off, off season conditioning. But before that time from the pandemic in March, the quarantine March all the way until June, we relied heavily on our players to do their, their jobs. We, we met on zoom and everything, but, um, that was a moment for our guys to actually focus on doing it themselves and being intrinsically motivated, motivated. And what we saw is that we have guys that can be trusted. And when they went out there and they came back from March to June and we saw body changes, that was awesome. And then we were able to kind of roll with that in June. It just made me a lot more um, confident that these guys love football and they want to be at their best. And so uh, that's a great foundation to have when, it's different when you're forced to do it compared to when you do it on your own. And then I, I think that that takes over your mindset a little bit and, and uh, helps your psyche become a little bit more confident when you enter the field. Talk about uh, making improvements, Coach. Your quarterback's been off the charts this year, uh, somebody that's definitely got the, the attention of the National Football League. Can we go back to uh, to high school maybe with him? What was, uh, what was it about him that got you excited about him to bring him into the program? Well, what got me excited is that he's a multi-sport athlete. He plays a lot of different sports starting point guard on his basketball team, uh, loves competing. So to me, it's like 
he wasn't just a specialized guy that just threw the ball and that's all he did. He could do a lot of different things. And he had the toughness so he could play safety. He could do whatever he wanted, you know. And and for, for me, it was like, okay, this guy's got it. He's got a high level of competition. And I like his leadership. And so I think he just – I feel like the personality that he had kind of made sense. And he wasn't this, this guy to go out and, and get recruited or try to gain attention through all the different um, – nothing against that. I know people – yeah. While people were doing that, he was playing basketball. He was doing other things. And and I like multi-sport athletes. And I, I feel like that kind of, you know, we're kind of losing that a little bit. And, and, and people are becoming so specialized. And I, I think that's why I think it's important for young, pe- young people to, when they're playing football, to play all different positions, you know. And uh, I think you get labeled. And in Little League, sometimes you get labeled an X-man. You know, you're the guy that never gets to carry the ball. Mm-hmm. I think that sucks, man. You know, so they should play flight football and, learn how to throw. And, and then, you know, I, I think it's important for guys to, to learn how to play football, but also learn how to play basketball. I think basketball is a great sport for football players. Great agility. I mean, LeBron James could play football, you know, Allen Iverson is a great football player. So I think it correlates to, to the, to the being a great athlete on the field. And I think even in basketball, you get labeled. I mean, if you're six, four, you're going to be a post player early. Mm-hmm. That's not even fair. You know, that those guys should be a point guard or working in a two guard spot. And so to me, it's like keeping our guys uh, ability to play a lot of different positions. And when we get little kids, kids here that come to our camps, we allow them to play every position possible. And that's like a huge relief to them. And you actually get to see these big guys run and you, and you never know how someone grows from 12 to 18, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, so you look at some of these uh, basketball players that all of a sudden grew six inches and they're used to being a, a point guard. And now they're, you know, six, eight point guard. That's how it works. And so football is the same way. You want guys to be able to, to run the ball, throw the ball, you know, catch and all those things, not just be labeled to, to linemen. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, athletic linemen is what the NFL looks for. You know, and, and thinking about Wilson, he has grown so much over three years as a starter. You always talk about toughness when it comes to your program. What kind of toughness does he exhibit uh, when were you able to identify the toughness that you felt like is necessary to be the starting quarterback for your program? Well, I think toughness is a relative term, so it's used in so many different ways. And I think sometimes it, the, the people think tough is beating your chest and and uh, and and uh, trying to fight, you know. And I think the toughest man in the fight is the one willing to walk away. And so I'm trying to talk about mental toughness and things like that 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 I think really matter the most for these young men in that this time and in their life. And for, for me, it's toughness is showing up on time, being responsible and accountable for what you say, you know, holding on to your word when you tell someone you're going to be there, um, letting know people that they can count on you when, when times are rough for them, being a good friend. That's what toughness is to me. And I, I, I've seen him do all those things. I've seen him, when he's struggling with his own injuries, look out to serve others. And so, you know, we do a lot of service here as a team, but it's awesome when you see you guys that are reaching out to, to other people, even when they're hurting. Um, and so to me, I think it's important that we define toughness for these young men and, and the way that I see it and the way that I think could be the most beneficial in the way they can grow. He is a tough man because he does all the things that you, you ask of him and then more. And, and sometimes uh, you, you don't even have to remind guys, you know, when you're thinking something as a coach and you're about to say, it, and then you hear your leader say it like your quarterback, and you're like, all right, well, I don't, I don't have to say it anymore. And that's, to me, that's toughness because you're being aware of what's going on. And they're not just all about you. It's about everyone else that's included. 
And I've been really impressed with that from him. Coach, last question from me. You've been uh, very, very generous with your time today. But we, I feel like nationally, maybe on the, you know, on a broader scale, I don't know that Lavelle Edwards gets the, the credit that's due him for how great of a coach he was for the length of time he was. Having played from him and having a successful coaching career yourself now, is there is there one or two things that, that you really pull from him that you draw on from uh, from what you learned during that time? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I miss him. I miss him so much. And I enjoy staying in contact with with his wife, Patty, and his, his grandchildren and children. Um, but, you know, it was an honor for me to coach for to, to be a head coach when he was here for my first year and then to play under him. But I think the, the lessons that he taught me weren't weren't just football. You know, I think he's probably spent more time as a head coach talking to me about life, you know, and then really, really concerned about me as a person and, and and what's going on in my college life more than um, what I'm doing on the field. He, he let Norm Chow and, and the other coach, Lance, Lance Reynolds, and the other coaches handle that. But for the most part, he was, he was interested in me, how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, and and he did that. And, you know, I, I thought I was special because, you know, when in his funeral services, I thought I was his favorite. You know, I, I thought that that's what he did for me. And then you get around all the other coaches like that played for him, like Andy Reid and and all these Brian Billick and Steve Young. And I mean, I'm going to forget about all these great people. And you start talking to them they're like, man, they felt the same way, you know. And so you had these thousands of men that felt like uh, we were his favorite. And how awesome that was that we all felt the same way. And I think that's a huge um, indicator of, of how much that man loved us. That is awesome, Coach. Hey, uh, we appreciate your time, man. This has been a treat for us. Like I said, we've we've followed you for a long time, and uh, it's been fun to watch the success that you've had, your programs had, because you do it the right way. We, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. And, hey, we're, we're, we're going to try to get more NFL guys here, man. I think the NFL <laughs> needs more BYU players. So, uh Keep us on the map, man. We got a lot of great young players that are up and coming too. So uh, keep 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 it rolling. We'll keep feeding you guys when you come over. Well, I want to know how many more how many more family members Fred Warner's got there. I feel like I've been watching a Warner at BYU for the last ten years. I don't know, but they should have had twenty more. That's all. I need. <laughs> <laughs> hey, great job, Coach. I appreciate you, man. Best of luck. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, but Coach Sataki was awesome, man. That was fantastic. And I think we just we were just touching on it, how he's been able to take a, a traditional passing uh, program, add the physicality, and it works. You look at Alabama, traditional physical program, add the passing game, and it works. It, it's kind of – there's a similarity there between Alabama and BYU. Yeah, it, look, I, I don't think BYU gets enough credit. And I know their schedule was uh, topsy-turvy in terms of, like, the cancellations, them having to resupply. So we didn't fully give them the respect that they deserved – in terms of how well they were playing. But this is a physical football team. It's not the old school BYU that you're used to seeing throw the ball all over the yard. They get after it, they run it, but they have a mix of pass that makes them fun. I think this is a very fun team to watch, but I think old school traditionalists, they will love to see them because of how physical they are. No doubt. Well, this has been a it's been a fun episode today, man. It's uh, always a treat to get to talk to guys like Coach Sataki. We appreciate his time. Hope you get hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, that's going to do it for us today, though. And uh, hopefully, you guys will keep joining us here. We'll have a lot to talk about as we march towards the end of the season, as well as the twenty twenty one NFL Draft right on the horizon. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks.
You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.